and then once the water stops dropping, it stays real, real down for you. There's off the game. Just wait till I hang up. Hail, hail! Good evening, folks, and welcome along to this very special Halloween episode of the Endless Silks podcast. Uh, my name's Anthony, and as you can see, a big improvement on the usual features that you see uh, anytime I'm on. And I'm delighted to be joined tonight by Stephen and Wally. How are we, boys? All good, man. Looking forward to it. Looking forward Aye. to it. Me too, mad. What works mad in there? Still in the work gear, man. And wives, yeah. wives and kids and dogs and all the rest of it. So, but uh, always make time to talk about Celtic. Looking forward to tonight after another good one. Absolutely, boys. Can't wait to get into it. But just before we do, um, I've got someone here that just wants to come on and wish everyone a happy Halloween uh, for two minutes, if that's okay. Please welcome my boy, Jude Dunn. How are we? Welcome, big man. Thanks, Thanks buddy. Happy Halloween. Happy, Happy Halloween. Halloween. I think, do we, we have a joke, Jude? Yeah. What do vampire football players have at half time? I don't know. Blood oranges. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the jokes we were using earlier on when we were out trick or treating. We've seen some scary outfits, Jude, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Not, but. <laughs> Nothing is scarier than Rangers defending against Liverpool. <laughs> yes! <laughs> uh, Love it. Love it. It's all about the banter and family fun on the endless silks. Right, there you go. Well done, pal. Right. Happy Halloween. Well done, Hope buddy. Hope you enjoy some of your sweeties. And I'll see you in a wee bit. Cheers, sure, buddy. <laughs> uh, so you look like, you look like you're part of the Green Brigade tonight, by the way, Tony. <laughs> I know, just needing some flares, man. <laughs> uh, it's all good. It's all good. So, and welcome along, everybody in the comments as well. Already see um, Stephen's bringing up quite a few already. It's uh, it's all good in the hood. And uh, plenty to get through the night, guys. All good stuff as well as on the back of a, a fantastic one at a place that for long and for as long as we can remember has been a bit of a bogey ground. But we put that ghost to rest yet again. So we did. What am I like? And uh, Stephen, I'm just going to come to you first. It's uh, like we say, it's a it's a place, uh, Livingston, that we've always struggled in over the years. We we kind of we got over that that particular hurdle um, back in March when we had a three-one-one, which a lot of people said pretty much felt that day that we were going to go on and win the league, which we did. And on the back of a, a big win at Tynecastle, another tough away match back-to-back, but we've came up trumps again. Yeah, 100%. Before we got to that, Anthony, you forgot all the good, so, good stuff. Beer 52, the show sponsor. If you Beer want your free case, Beer 52, four slash cells, you get your free case to do the post dates. And also, Super Six, just reiterate, we have a new leader, James oh, wow. Bowie. James Bowie is top with 157 points. Happy birthday, Franny. Yeah, happy birthday, Franny. 
And just the point behind him is Francis Cardian, 156, and then Sean Ross, uh, Jimmy Dadamer, and Alistair Jack rounding off the top five. But yeah, as I said, Anthony, I mean, the Tony Macaroni Stadium is a horrible place to go throughout the years. And I think there was some, some someone said on the, on the TV commentary in Martindale's we lost, what was it, two of the five games he faced with Celtic so far? So there was a lot of... So, I mean, a lot of expectation in that game. And I think them games for us is what we need to we need to win to be champions. And I said it before in the podcast on Friday, a 1-0. I would take a 1-0 in that game. And the fact we came away with three goals was epitomised the team's performance. And albeit on that plastic pitch, but I think the, the rain helped beforehand to make it a bit quicker for the players instead of being sticky all the time. And they're able to do their, their passive game and stuff like that. But if, you, if you're honest, they need to ban these plastic pitches. I know they are the easy in Holland. They're, they're going to be banning the football uh, artificial grass soon as well. They just want all okay. grass pitches. Oh yeah, I think it's a, a thing that every club should invest in. You see, you see even clubs like down in the the championship, like Queens Park, teams like that. So I mean, Dunfermline having grass pitches. Why can't Livingston in the top flight have a, <laughs> It's mental, like to see it. It looked like a, an old bowling green. It was terrible, but to get that win, it was it was great for us. And as I said, there it's it's the games we need to win to be champions. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to come right back to you, Stephen. But like I say, apologies just for all that at the start. But uh, yeah, very happy birthday to one of our own, uh, Franco. Um, it's uh, his birthday today on the scariest night of the year. What can, what can I say? And um, what was the... But the thing I was going to say, Stephen, I didn't realise that about the, the Dutch clubs are going to make it pretty much a law that you, you know, you've got to have an, an all-grass surface. And this is, it's always something, you know, particularly when I, I live in Livingston, and um, it's a great, the, the club's brilliant in terms of community, a lot of the, 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 the sort of the young teams and all that sort of train on it and stuff. So you can understand it's great for that point of view. But I, I totally agree. I don't, I'm with you on it. I, I think if, if you're in the top flight, there has to be some sort of condition where everyone's got to play on grass. And if that means uh, Livingston would argue that they might lose out a lot of revenue from that, then perhaps some sort of compensation package or something like that, because it, it does make a mockery of um of, of the the top flight for me. I, I would agree with you. But I'm just going to come straight back to you because I know it's something that, that used to bug you last season and even seasons before. And you know, we spoke about it with Celtic constantly dropping points at the Tony Macaroni. Do you think it's been, although Ange himself has lost on it, do you feel that he's reacted to it better than previous Celtic managers did? Because I don't know about you, but I felt some of them were using it too much as an excuse. We accept that we want to play on grass, but do you feel that some of them previous managers milked it a bit too much? And you know, these guys are the, the, the top pros in Scotland. Even if it is an artificial surface, they should be able to perform better than a lot of the times they did. I think the major difference between Postecoglou and like Zelani and, and managers like that in the past is the mentality side of things. He doesn't go into these games thinking the same thing's going to happen over and over again. He sees different ways of playing. He'll he he like the challenge. He would like to figure out how to play on the plastic pitch and how to keep that passing quick, how to keep the pressing strong, how to be defensively sound as well, because we know Livingston have threats. I think you're 100% right in what you say. It seemed like to me in previous years, it was always like, a, oh, we've got Livy coming up on the plastic pitch. You, you would get that, that weak build-up. There'd be constant interviews with the manager, whoever it may be, on the plastic surface. That's an issue for Scottish football. But as you said, that if you're a professional, you play your game. I mean, we all played out in the street on tarmac and stones and, and stuff like that. So the players aren't going to be really face bad. And the likes of Haxabanovic has experience playing in the Swedish League in plastic pitches. Um, Oliver Abelgaard, who came on playing in plastic pitches in Russia as well, because obviously their weather is far worse than 
in Scotland they get snow and stuff all the time. So I think that's vital to keep their game going over there. But in, in terms of the yeah, Postacoli has it right where he doesn't make the players think there's a, a mental block. The players aren't going in going, oh, if we drop a point, we've got our manager back to this up saying it's a plastic pitch. There's none of that. There's no errors and graces. Postal Coldy wants to win. And the amount of times I heard him shout on the sidelines when we were playing Livy was incredible. You, you heard him everywhere. And I know people make fun of that cough and stuff and things, but he was fairly giving it to the players when they are making mistakes. So, yeah, there, there's no um, like a, an excuse culture, which you would have found previously in terms of your getting to the game Oh, it could be a potential banana skin. It's not the way Postacoldy works, and it's not the way I would want them to work. We don't need excuses. Yeah, we know the pitch, the pitch is bad. We play on it, we get the win, and we move on. We certainly do. Um, Wally, coming to yourself, it was uh, obviously, as we said, it's a game that we have slipped up in the past before. Myself, David Martindale himself, and previous Livingston managers have had a few good days against us, especially um, at their home pitch. <clears throat> However... Not yesterday. Um, what, were your, what was your thoughts on the match itself and uh, on what was a great day? Yeah, I thought we were excellent. We've got this whole levy hoodoo. Uh, hopefully that's that's the end of it. When it comes to the whole plastic pitch nonsense, I, 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 I'm, total, I'm in total agreement. I think they, should, they shouldn't be shouldn't be in the top league in our, in our, in our country. Um, but I, I just I think it's uh, there's a lot media every time. Like you say, we've obviously got previous with Livingston and playing there, and um, we've not done so well in the past. But at the end of the day, it's eleven v eleven, and like Stephen says, it's, it, it could be fucking astroturf, concrete, lava. It doesn't matter. The, 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 the squads we've had, we've got now, and the squads we've got previously, with the utmost respect for Livy, talent wise, we're, we're far superior. So it shouldn't matter what. Mm-hmm what sort of surface you're playing on, we should always be going there to, to look to, to battle them. And that. I think we did. I thought we were excellent on um, on uh, Sunday afternoon, uh, as we have been for the majority of the season. I thought it was another great win. And I, I, I hopefully that's this who do um, over and done with. You're just hoping anyway. Um, I think coming back to yourself, Willie, one of the, the big talking points before the game, we, you know, we'd, we'd spoke about it a lot. Funnily enough, before the game in March as well, there was a running joke that Yakimakis had been designed in a lab specifically for <laughs> Livingston away. Aye. And yet on both occasions now, he's not actually started the match. There was obviously, you know, a, a, a lot of talking point about the fact that Kyogo um, had been given the nod again. Um, obviously, he's not been the firing all cylinders, which he was in the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, he's just kind of, we have often joked, uh, not joked, but discussed as there maybe been a, He's maybe having a little, you know, confidence uh, spell, but a lack of confidence. But he, he, we can only say yesterday he certainly took his goal tremendously well. Oh, he definitely did. I, I'm, I, I'm not one for saying that, that his confidence has been down or he's or he's been poor recently. His goal record's still fantastic this season and, and overall for us. Uh, his finish was unbelievable on on Sunday. Uh, that's that's the Kyle goal. I, I like. I've always talked about how he's a reactive finisher. Um, and that was exactly that. Uh, I think when he's got more time, he's <laughs> he's uh, not as good. I think Gigi's a much better, uh, much better finisher in that regards. Um, but I was I was surprised myself to see him starting. I thought we we always said when Gigi signed it was like you said, Tony. He was he was made for uh, Livy away because he's just a big brute. And, and with a three centre halves, I thought it was a certainty he would start. But um, he didn't. Kyogo did. I thought he looked sharp. I think Kyogo's just 
he's still working his socks off, working hard. It's just some of these games, it's just no coming off for him, and it just it happens. Um, I thought he, I thought he was excellent again. Uh, I just love the wee man. The celebrations post match every week are just brilliant. I love it. Uh, I love it. His finish was superb. I thought he worked his socks off again. Um, aye, he was excellent. And like another Gregory Taylor uh, assist. What can you say? What can you say? More on the future Ballon d'Or winner to come, <laughs> of course. But uh, Stephen, obviously, you, you know, you, you obviously some have been talking about in the, recently in the last few weeks about about Kyogo Yakimakis. I think it's a debate that will forever rage on. And I think mm-hmm. both both sides have got um, that Yakimakis should definitely start. There's others for it going, you can't forget what Kyogo's done. But regardless, um, and I must admit, even sitting at the game yesterday, I was a bit, oh, I thought I would have started the big man. But the wee man certainly came up trumps again. It was a fantastic finish to take the lead. Yeah, I mean, it's it's what he can do when he has that bit of confidence, that bit of spark about him. I think Willie's right. There can be an issue between lost form and lost confidence. I think what's happened to him over the last couple of weeks is he's snapping at chances that he wouldn't usually do. He'd be a bit more kind of clinical in that form. I know Willie says he's not the best finisher in the world, and I 100% agree, but whether it's eight shots he gets one goal, it used to be down to four shots he gets one goal. So there, there is a different variation in his play. What I loved about that goal was the, the vision and the impact of Greg Taylor in that, that build-up to play that through the line pass right up to Kyogo. Kyogo takes on his right foot, switches it to the left, and bang, like a flash just went off and it went into the, the top bins up to the roof of the net. I thought like he was fantastic. And I know you were saying about Yakimakis, and I think all of us really went for him to start this game. And again, it was a shock of seeing people on Twitter going, what's uh, Gigi got to do to start and all that type of stuff, and he's going to become unhappy. What I think, and, and I know he gets the golden boy status, and maybe is Kyogo, maybe he's Anne's favourite. Everyone has kind of a bias towards a player. There, there's no issue there, but the player has to be producing the goods. I think Kyogo, what he did well on uh, Sunday was occupy the, the, their defenders. He was dropping deep, which he was doing in the other game previously when he was playing up top with Jack and Magus, but he was doing it regularly. So he was dragging their defence about. He wasn't staying stationary. He wasn't giving them something to mark. He was he was dropping in, getting in between the gaps, and that's where the goal came from. He could have had probably two or three more, but it, when he hits that form, when he gets that kind of sensation back into his game again, he, he's going to be fantastic. And the commentator even said himself, he's back up to our our top goal scorer, and he's been on a he's yeah. been on a duck leg. So yeah, I, I mean we're all right to say like yeah he's dropped form and stuff, but when he produces stuff like goals like that, the, the imagination doesn't whip that. Plenty of players would have tried to bend that round the keeper, but he switched it to the left foot, smashed it with power. And it was a cracking goal, and that's not underestimated Gregory in that build up as well. See the Absolutely. see when you're saying that as well though. Sorry, Tony. See, well, see actually looking back right now because I was like I, I was the same as everybody else screaming for Gigi to, to start, but it's three big centre halves they've got. They're playing. They're playing three at the back. So getting um, <laughs> so getting the ball wide and getting the ball in the box, like I don't think was the play uh, as much as Gigi can wrestle everybody. Three big centre halves is, is is tough going. And uh, Stephen's right. I think we looked to get it and, and and thread the balls through the middle. And that that first goal was an absolute like like carbon. It's exactly what the game plan should have been. It was perfect yeah. through ball, and, and Kyogo's finish was was top notch. So in the end, and as usual, um, was bang on right, and and we we as usual are all absolutely wrong. <laughs> I think that'd be fair as well. Maybe Livingston were probably expecting Nakamakis to start. Like they're going with that physicality, thinking he's going to yep. come into this away game. And as, as you rightly said, when you're playing against free physical centre-halves, maybe the, 
the solution to that is play Kyogo and he can drop deep and create the space in behind, which I thought Celtic done really well. Well, that was it. I mean, he, he just when he does all those little bits of movement and whatnot, you know, he's he's like a meerkat in a minefield, as they say, and Livingston just couldn't cope with him. And uh, yeah, long may this uh, return to form continue, if that's if that's what it is. And uh, so, well, again, just regards to um, we've touched on him already, Gregory. A special day for him yesterday, 100th appearance uh, for Celtic. And uh, he capped it off with his second in two games. He's getting a wee bit of an eye for goal as well. as being a uh, much improved defender as well. Ah, he's been superb recently. I think. Um, okay, obviously, I've been, I've always been a big fan. I think that he's, he's, he has stepped up a level. But I don't. With regards to like his work rate and and how he implements himself in the game, Andrew's worked wonders well with with this inside uh, inverted fullback role that he's playing just at the moment. I think he's absolutely come on leaps and bounds. But with regards to the player he is and his work rate and all the rest of it, I, I've always said he's had that. He's always shown that for me. It, it, like I, I used to always say before, he might not be the most talented, but every time he goes in that park, he'll give he's 100% and he's all for the shirt. And that's all as fans, well, for me anyway, that's all you can, as much as you can ask for from him. He's improving. His improvement this season has been... Second to none. He's. I, I keep seeing forums all over Twitter and, and social media, and, and everybody's talking about who our best player this season's been, and, and he's right up there with with them with, with some of the boys. And uh, I reckon a lot of people when they said that at the start of this season, um, his goal was a. It's a great strike. It's obviously pretty fortunate. It's getting between. It's getting through defenders, and the keeper can't see it. But a nutmeg for twenty five yards is no bad. Uh, uh, good strike, and he had a pop at goal no long before it as well. Yeah, was put in the chat yep. about his shooting, and then and then he ended up scoring. Uh, what a couple of weeks for him! I'm so pleased for him because he's he was he was the scapegoat. He was the one that everybody used to um, bash. It's no him that's getting it now, so it's moved on to others. Uh, I'll no name them, but uh, aye, <laughs> <laughs> much like much like Forrest. Forrest used to be the whipping boy, and he wasn't. And I, I just feel like Taylor was the one that everybody kind of turned on, and now he's proven everybody wrong, and I, I couldn't be more pleased. He's been absolutely. Brilliant the last the last few weeks, especially. But this season, he's been he's, he's just hit the ground running. He's been absolutely superb. He, he certainly has. And Stephen, obviously, we'll get to lineup predictions for our next match um, at the end of the show. But I don't know about you, I'm just a bit petrified that he starts in the Bernabeu just in case Real Madrid try and sign him. <laughs> <laughs> you may hold on, hold the phone there, Anthony. He's been he's been great, like the, the Galacticos and all that. We're never over that. Yeah, 100%. There's been countless podcasts where I've underestimated Greg Taylor. I can hold my hands up to that. He's been fantastic this season. He's one of the players who I think, when Postal Coldwell came in, he was probably afraid he was going to be sold or maybe let go on loan or all that type of thing. So from day that, Postal Coldwell said it himself, he's adapted his style. He's come in every day. He's became a leader as well, by the way, a voice in the team. And I think that's incredible too. A wee guy was saved from Kilmarnock for a couple of million quid. And people obviously kind of that kind of career path to us and you're going, is he good enough? And maybe question marks are still around his European performances, that's fair enough. But domestically he's been he's been sensational. I think he's he's took the, the game is the game on to the next level. The the way he gets in the midfield and the way he passes the ball, he was whipping balls 40, 50 yards to James Forrest, and it was just great to see. He was coming into midfield, he was linking up with Moy, linking up with O'Reilly. Telling people where to go as well uh, in that team too. Experienced players and he's standing up to them. I think um, 
in regards to Burnaby coming in as well, that's probably elevating him even more to, to prove he's still the number one left back because there's obviously competition coming in, young guy from Argentina to, to push him on. But he's, he's just took it and he's ran with it. And even the times Burnaby's played well, you know Greg Taylor's coming in to be number one. And I don't think that should be changed. He's just one of these guys that's like Mr. Dependable. Like a team needs a player like him who's going to give a seven, eight every week. Not really going to do amazing, amazing stuff, obviously, but just be solid. Get the ball going. Give it to the better players. And his goal was fantastic, by the way. The power on him. Just to get a free leg, free centre backs. Even a Celtic player at that time was like, oh, <laughs> moved out of the way and then I went through your man's legs. And I know Martindale singled him out for a lot of criticism. Jack Hamilton, their keeper, I thought that was a bit uncalled for. Kind of throwing him onto the bus there, even though the whole team should have defended that better. But yeah, Greg Taylor, I mean, Kaiser here, for example. Taylor revolutionized his game. There's a reason KT is calling him for tips. <laughs> so I mean, it's 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 one of the, it's one of these things. Like he's took his game on. He's listened to the coach and he's improved his game. And there's not really much more you can ask for from a fellow like that. He he doesn't have obviously all the flashy skills and tricks and burst bursting his gut. But what he does do, ninety minutes up and down that line, full of effort, enthusiasm, and he he does it for the team and he loves the team as well, regardless of his previous connections. That type of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, there, there is still probably, and, and thankfully it's a very, very small minority now, but there, there was a contingent of that based on, you know, who he grew up supporting and all that. And you're absolutely buying one, Stephen. It's it's absolute nonsense. Some of the best players, and I'm talking the best players in their history, um, grew up with, with, with a, an, an affection for the club on the other side. So, uh, yeah, it's all about what they do Neil, when they become all, professionals. All who would have thought the wee fell from Kelly would be taking the huddle a few years later? 100%. There you go. Absolutely. Can't believe I've just heard Stephen talk about Greg Taylor like that. I know. But see, it's, 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 he was talking part. about him being captain. And, as, was it Shaq? See, see, the perfect example was was it Shakhtar where the boys, or was it League Game? See where the boy, when Juranovic just came back at the left back position and he was coming back towards his goal and somebody's had a nip at him. Mm-hmm. And Juranovic and reacted and Taylor was the first one to go over and he pushed him away and says, off, right? Just leave it. Yeah. I can't mind. I think it was a European game there, but it just shows you his leadership skills. He's the one, and like we've we all seen him in the huddle. Even though CCV mm-hmm. was a captain, he was the one taking the taking the huddle and all the rest of it. And that's just like I say, I'm I'm so pleased because I've always been a big fan, and I, I just can't believe that I've heard Stephen talk about him that way. It's brilliant. But you can, but as I've always said, you lads, like I can admit when maybe I've yep. been a bit harsher, and I look back and things, and I can obviously recalculate what I'm saying. He's been a fantastic player. And yeah, there might be a couple of weeks down the line he makes a horror mistake and I'm, I'm, I'm slating him again. But that's the way football goes. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all diff- different weeks. He's fantastic. Other weeks he's not. And that's the way it is. And at the moment, Greg Taylor is probably one of our most consistent performers and best performers as well. Yeah, amen to that. Can't argue with that at all. And um, we rounded the game off with our, our third goal. Fantastic cross in from David Turnbull. And the returning hero, uh, Earl Jota, um, <laughs> Seem to seem to give a few of the the elder ladies in the front of the crowd um, a bit of a, a good time uh, when he was uh, celebrating there, um, but it was just great having him back on the on the pitch, Wally. Um, obviously, we've, we've we've coped relatively well in his absence, and um, you've got to give credit to the likes of Haksabanovic and, and James Forrest, you know, wingers like that that have, that have came in. But Jota is just something special, isn't he? He's just uh, he's got that X factor, and fans just love him. There's Jed in. By the way, Jed was three or four ago on. I meant yes. to say at the start. How good was Jed last week? Unbelievable. Fantastic. By the way, Unbelievable. January transfer window coming up and I'm shitting myself. I'm getting a <laughs> he's coming in. 
hate up the game. I um, what we're we talking about. I Jota. He's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've all seen it last year. That like the, 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 the it's an absolute steal that we got him for the money we did in this day and age. He's um, he's an absolute. You can tell when he's on his game. He's just a level above the rest. Um, I, I'd possibly go as far as saying when everybody's if everybody's at their peak. Um, at the moment, he's probably the, the best player on our team. He's he's just he's uh, he's absolutely superb, and you you kind of just get a lift. See when he came on, I was I was absolutely buzzing. Even like we're, we're cruising the game, but just see seeing him back and getting him back in the pitch, I was I, I, I was sitting watching it with the wife, and I was like, "Oh fucking Jaws back, yes man!" <laughs> and uh, for him to get his goal was uh, even better. He's just we talk about playing the Glasgow Celtic way. Wingers, flair, trickery. He's he's got an abundance. Uh, I think he's another one that's bought in at the club and just loves the club. Uh, I really, 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 really hope that I know people hate international football and didn't want them to go away and get injured and all that. I'd love for him to get that, get on the plane and get to the World Cup. I think that'd be a magic. I I, I totally agree. And uh, like you say, it was just a, he's a very very special player. And Stephen, when, when I first sort of seen his name on the on the bench, uh, when the teams <laughs> were sort of getting announced yesterday, birthday <laughs> grounds a week, brilliant. Uh, I, I, I was sort of the opinion that I didn't think that it would possibly, he still wouldn't feature just with it being the aforementioned plastic pitch and obviously he's coming off a sort of a muscle injury. But he seemed to get through the 10-15 minutes that he featured uh, very comfortably and, you know, a fine return to form with a cracking goal. I crack and go. A good bit of build-up play would think Patrick McLaughlin. I kind of relate here. Turnbull goes it right in as well. How slow was the living defenders? Hundred percent agree with that. But yeah, Charlie to me, like I've I've got a few a few friends who obviously following these teams and like Liverpool and United, and they're all be saying to me, Charlie's superb. He's incredible, and they could see him moving down to the Premier League. I know they're obviously snobbery about it and stuff and all that type of thing. But with him, the talents are he is phenomenal. And yeah, he probably, I mean, the goal was simple for him in the end. It was a good ball by Turnbull and all he had to do was really finish it off. I think most of the Livy team thought he was offside, but he wasn't. Good, a good good bit of play by them. But yeah, just to have Jared back involved with the team's great. It gives everyone a confidence boost. And I know we cope well without him and things like that, but if you look, use hindsight, it's a wonderful thing. Would he have made a better impact in European football if he didn't get the injury? Would we have got better results in European football if he didn't get that injury? So it's all ifs, buts, and maybes and things, but just Yada, it scares me, Willie, that he might be going to the World Cup and playing for Portugal, even if he doesn't <laughs> make the squad. Even making making their well, the, the thing squad before they pick their players is incredible for him as well, being with us for so little time. But just it's he's going to attract big money bids. I I don't know, like I, I don't want to think too much, but I think he's the guy who's probably going to break the the record fee for us because he has everything. He has it. Every defender he plays against on toast. Even European football, he looks like he ha- has the grasp of it when he when he plays. And I know in the preseason friendlies, he, he was busting around, uh, smashing up English left backs and right backs as well. So he has it all in his locker. Like, and I want him to stay at us for as long as he can. But who knows? I don't he, have much fear terrible. of that to be honest with you at the moment. I don't think I don't think he's ready for the likes of Liverpool's and Man U's and all the rest of it at the moment. So I wouldn't have that fear, and especially now that we've got Ange at the helm and he's brought this. He's brought this relationship back with the fans and everybody, everybody in the squad. You can tell they're loving being at Celtic and they just love it and they're buying into the whole 
this whole mentality and Ange is the biggest draw and I just think he's in the best place he could possibly be at this mm. moment in his career and I don't think he should be moving anywhere else any time soon and I don't think he will. I think we'll hold on to him for a couple of years at least. And I, don't I think, think the good that, thing that, about... Sorry, go ahead. I, I, just, I, I just don't think he'll... It's that he, the, the big teams will be sniffing. It'll be, if anything, it'll be Brighton's and all the rest of it and I just <laughs> don't think that he's... Uh, I don't think that's right for his career at the moment. And like I say, I think he's really fallen in love with this club. And maybe that's me being naive, but I don't see him going anywhere anytime soon. I think one of the best things as well, Jada seems humble within himself. He doesn't seem yeah. like he has a big, big, massive ego where he's looking for moves or all that type of thing. I mean, he's celebrating with grannies. He does score in his comeback and he's, he's celebrating with a granny. Do you know what I mean? That's the type of guy we're on about here. He just loves the club, loves the support. And in the summer there, he's not even signed for us yet. There's, it's been, it was a bit of a drawn-out process. He's in New York wearing Celtic tops and all that. If you're looking for a yeah. move to another club, you're not going to be firing about on holiday in New York wearing Celtic tops, are you? See, just as, hanging that as well, with that last goal, uh, David Turnbull was obviously brilliant. I'm so pleased he's back and fit. I really hope we get to see a bit more of him. Um, you with that. Especially with, with Cal Mack going, uh, being out in that as well. And <laughs> I know we're going to go into my splitting the, 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 the fan base a bit now. Um, I think Turnbull's, especially when we O'Reilly kind of playing that number six, I think there's a role for Turnbull to play in this first 11 now between now and the World Cup. So hopefully I get to see a bit more of him because I think he's been an excellent player for us in the past. And I know with, uh, I kind of they talked about it. Who's it? I can't remember who was talking about it. But uh, the, the uh, see how Taylor scored that goal, I totally agree with, I think, as a team. And we've talked about it previously as well. Whereas sometimes you try to walk the ball in the net, some, and and we should have a pop shot a goal a bit more often. Um, <laughs> uh, I think Turnbull's great at that. I think he's probably the best in the squad at that, having a pop shot uh, uh, outside the box. So uh, I think he could have a real impact. So I'm hoping to see a bit more of him between now and the World Cup, especially with Cal Marco, like I say, and O'Reilly kind of dropping it in that six. I think he can fit in that ten uh, perfectly. I may be a bit controversial here, right? And sorry, I'm playing. <laughs> on a, on the wee hands in here, right? But no I was problem. thinking hypothetically when uh, Calmack comes back, I think Marorelli has possibly done that role just this season. By the way, just this season, mm-hmm. a bit better than Calmack. Could we could we see Calmack pushed up a wee bit with Atate and already still still saying at the six? I think you, you you possibly could, and I think I would agree that um, that before his injury. I think it was very much... Some people were saying it's a loss of form or, or, or whatever, or he hadn't been hitting the heights. I think it was just... Cal McGregor has played so much football. Yeah. And he, he, there can't be many players in Europe that play more football than, than Cal McGregor. And I think, you know, he's that's what's, what we love so much about him. He always wants to be involved. He want, always wants to make an impact and lead the team. But, you know, as much as he's... Uh, the, the, you know, he's the mask that he wore looked bionic. He is a human. And uh, eventually, every so often, you do need a rest. Um, we did joke before he actually picked up his injury that the little suspension he picked up for uh, getting the red card against Motherwell might actually do us a bit of good because he'll get a bit of a rest, not realising that he was then going to go on and get injured whilst playing uh, in the European uh, tournament. But I think you know it goes back to every, everything else. For me, it's competition for places everywhere. And uh, not even your... The, not even the captain of the club who's been there uh, pretty much, you know, since he was able to kick a ball. Um, but it can only be a good thing. Although I do think when fit and when uh, when back ready to go again, 
I do think he'll slot back in, no problem. I, I did say drop him. I've said no, push no, him at no. upper position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I think actually O'Reilly's obviously done brilliant there. And I, I remember sitting in a pod view before, um, was it Leipzig, Stephen, and saying yep. if he plays number six, we're going to get slaughtered. He's never a number six in a million years, and he's totally proved me wrong. He's been excellent in that role. I didn't realise he played that role at MK Dons. Uh, obviously, a totally different level, but he's been he's been brilliant in there. And uh, I actually think he's probably better. <laughs> he's probably better than Cal Mack in the in the uh, in the sense of protecting the defence, or maybe even better in the tackle. Cal Mack's uh, like a wee terrier uh, at your ankles. But for me, there's no there's no a better number six at this. And and by the way, I don't think it's Cal Mack's best position, number six. I think number eight is his, his best position. But there's nobody better in a number six than him uh, at the club, Cal Mack. Uh, I think we, for the gaffer style and how there's nobody better at getting the ball and driving us out and getting us out for, <laughs> for the uh, centre mid than Cal Mack. Uh, so I think he'll go straight back in there. But We've always we've always said that we think Cal Mack's best position is number eight, but I think Hatati's got number eight nailed on. I think he's got all the attributes for that position. Um, and or, listen, remember O'Reilly was brilliant in a number ten. We were all screaming about how he's absolutely world class as well. So I think he'll slot back in there. But it's interesting. It's it's good to know that we've got these options. It's an interesting point, and I could definitely see I could definitely see Cal Mack further forward than O'Reilly sitting. But for me, I would I would have Cal Mack back in a number six when he's back. Yeah, it's definitely in, uh, food for thought, like you say, uh, Wally. And, um, of course, another player that he will be in contention with for a place when he comes back. And I'm going to come to you first, Wally, <laughs> before we go on to, before we come to Stephen, because it's, we all know his favourite subject is coming right up. I'm talking, of course, about our Australian midfield maestro that is Adam <laughs> Boyd. Jesus. Uh, after yet another... Yet another polished, competent, effective performance on a terrible pitch yesterday. Um, I would say out with Greg Taylor. He was my man of the match yesterday. Head and shoulders. Um, his off-the-ball movement was absolutely tremendous for me. And I don't know about you, Wally. Uh, we both, we, I think we, but I know we're both, I think we're on the same side, although we do accept that it, did, it definitely did divide opinion um, when he signed. But I think... He's grown into the role at Celtic, and I don't. And he's had quite a few good games recently, especially against Hibs. Um, when I was away, I'd seen the highlights, and he looked very effective there. I think he had a very similar performance yesterday, and uh, he's really stepped up in uh, in Cal Mack's absence. Um, yeah, he's definitely divided opinion anyway between the. I would agree with that, by the way. Kaiser mm-hmm. saying there, I'm going to go on to that uh, in this wee rant here. He's definitely divided uh, divided opinion. Um, I think in our, in our, um <laughs> no, I've got the beard. I've got the beard. Um, aye, he divides opinion. For me, when we signed him, he was a, he's a squad player. And when he was coming on for these 20-minute cameos, half an hour cameos and that six, he did exactly what I want my number six to do. And he kind of, like, he would get the ball and he's playing, he's just playing these six-yard passes. And I, I know I, I can See when people are talking about him slowing the game down. I can I can see that. I totally understand why people say that. Um, and that's why I like him in the number six better. But Ross in our group chat absolutely nailed it at the weekend when he said he's 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 when everybody's fit, he's not in our first eleven. He's a he's a rotation player. 
and when he comes in, he does exactly what is asked of him. He does the job. Um, like I say, I understand people uh, saying he slows it down. Tony, you're bang on against Hibs. I think he got three assists against Hibs. I think his passing range is excellent. Both feet. Um, I like the fact that he, he he does try and get it in the box as soon as he as soon as possible. When he's out wide, it doesn't matter if it's his left or his right. His first thought is to let's get this in the box. Let's let's get um, and he gets a shot away as well. I think he's been decent in number ten, but I, I I do prefer him as a six. I thought he had a decent game yesterday. I don't I, for me, I don't think he was outstanding like brilliant yesterday. I thought he was he was good, but I wouldn't be like clambering the covering the mountains to, to shout how good he was. I thought against Hibs he was excellent. And I think in this we run the games, I think he's been he's been very, very competent. He's been brilliant. I think he's been really, really good. Um I think his passing ability is um his his best attribute. Um Moy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's his best attribute. Um and I think he's been a good addition to the squad. He is a beaton for us, though. He is. He's not a first eleven player. He's somebody that's going to come in, and I think when he has come in, he's done the job. I don't understand. It's because Greg Taylor's what fucking uh, Ballon d'Or winner. Uh, we need to find somebody else to have a go, at, and it seems to be Aaron Moyes, the weapon boy now, for some reason. I I I do agree, Wally. And uh, but Stephen, I of course I am nothing if not a fair man. I will of course allow, <laughs> uh, but for Can you to get perhaps counter that argument. Um, you've often said that when when you said when he signed, you were underwhelmed by it. Um, where these whelmometers you can get them from, I've no idea. But after the last few weeks, where would you say your level of whelm is? Are you on the Moy camp yet, or are you still very much waiting for Cal Mac's return? Waiting for anybody's return. <laughs> anybody get on get on that pitch. <laughs> I I really. I really struggle to see what he brings to our team as a, as a as a whole or a collective or as an individual. It, really, you're right to point out at Hibs. That's fair enough. But the game opened up for Moy in, in that instance. The game was done, and he, he picked out his three assists. The game he he works better when the game's open, it's wide, and there's not much people challenging him. When he's pressed or he's challenged, like like we've seen against Hearts, he loses the ball very quickly. I thought uh, their midfielder, Kami Devlin, tortured him the whole game in that game. Got the ball off him on numerous occasions. He's very he's very um, lethargic. He doesn't look fit. He looks like he's puffing out of his arse every time he sprints. He can't turn. Yeah, he can, he can play a beautiful ball. That's, that's 100% fair enough. But I, I don't understand why people think he's this as you called him a maestro, and you said a master class, and when yeah. you sent out the, that's mental. By the way, I, I really don't understand the guy. For me, I think Willie said it, and I'll give him this: he's an he's an impact sub who comes on to see it again. That that for me is his role at our club. Starting games, Anne's Postecoglou had the perfect opportunity to show we all we, he trusted him in the European game. He didn't start. That game could have been good for Moy in terms of passing, getting into a rhythm, finding his feet. He got dropped. Let's, let's be honest about it. He wasn't trusted for the big games. SPFL, couldn't do it all for enough, but this whole saying maestro and all that there, like he's nothing, <laughs> nothing, nothing. Like, and so he's, and, and the, the question was asked, beat on or boy? I'd beat on every day of the week on a Sunday, 100%. One thing I can give in beat on's favour that, of course, that, um, you know, it would maybe be a, a bit of a fairer question if Arm Moy had been played at centre half out of position for seven, eight years, and then we'd maybe have more of a comparison. But it's a credit to um, beat on 
that he always he did always step up when. when Anthony, asked can I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question? Of course, you can. said that you, you said the worst maestro masterclass. What did you see that was amazing, Ben, against Livingston? With the CSN. Now, did, of course, us. of course, it was uh, a little bit of hyperbole just to get us. I know, I know, but, for tonight. I know. But in terms of what for what I seen yesterday, I agree. What like his best game, I would argue, has definitely been um, Hibs at home a few weeks back. Um, but I agree with what Wally says in terms of since he's been introduced to the team and most of it has been from the subs bench and it has been that just recycle the ball, do the simple stuff, see the game out normally when we're 2-3 in front. But with what I've seen yesterday, you know, but, you know, watching the game, I, I was there. You don't, I, I, And I'm not sure where the, the angles necessarily are. I know there's not too many cameras, uh, you know, places that they can set up at Almondville. So there might have been a few times when he wasn't actually you know, on, on site. But again, it was maybe what we were saying about Taylor as well in terms of he's talking uh, to, to the players, telling them where he wants them to be. I thought he's off the ball movement, just making sure he was in the right position to break up the play should, should Livingston um, manage to, you know, get, get, you know, break off with one of our attacks. I just thought nothing spectacular, but he did the simple stuff effectively. And um, I think that's what he's done. I think that's what he's done now on since he's come into the club. Obviously, that absolute, I was cursing them last week. I maybe wouldn't have had the same opinion last week had we dropped points against Hearts because I was mm, calling him for everything under the sun when he missed that sitter. But um, and I've absolutely conceded that he's not going to be, and I, when everyone's fit and available, he's uh, he's going to be on the bench. He's certainly not a starter. But I think, especially in the absence of Callum McGregor at the minute, the experience that he has definitely has, has done us in good stead. And obviously, we've, we've obviously not dropped points. Uh, in the league since Cal Max been injured and he's he's featured more. So as, I long, think as, I... as long as the team's winning, it doesn't really matter who's playing. But I, I think he's more than he's more than earned his crust um since he's been introduced to the team for me. That's what I actually like about him, that he just keeps it simple. It doesn't need to listen, we've got we've got Kyogos and Hatates and Abadas and Jotas and all these people that are our player players and they 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 run their arses into the ground and they work their socks off. We don't need every player on the park to be doing that. He said that he's like quite lethargic and looking at that. And I and I'm not so sure. I do definitely agree with that. But like said, Dimitar Berbatov was like that. He walked about like he didn't he wasn't even interested. And he was. I'm not listening. Don't start shaking your head. I'm not comparing them to Dimitar Berbatov, right? <laughs> what I'm trying to say is. Berbatov looked like he wasn't even interested, didn't even want to be in the pitch. That boy was world-class. He doesn't need to be running himself into the ground. If your movement's right and your passing ability is right, which I believe Moy is, um, that's a fair, that's a that's some point, by the way. I um, I just love the fact that he just does the simple things. That's all he needs to do because we've got so many people in, the, in, the, in this team working and doing all that, doing all the running, doing all that stuff. He doesn't need to do that. You go. Tell you, he was getting compared to Modric last week, Berbatov the night. I tell you, somewhere <laughs> Stephen's going to end up chucking yourself out that one day, honestly. <laughs> Listen, but, um, in three months' time, he'll be doing a tailor and he'll be going, by the way, Aaron Moy's the best player. And... Uh, in three I months' think time, so. I, I think I'm hoping so the, well, the transfer window's going to be put the good news and he gets pumped out. Never mind. <laughs> uh, that's what we love about you, Stephen. You're never, you know, never one for sitting on the fence. But uh, just to kind of round off with the, in terms of the, the league uh, and the, the, the match itself discussion, boys, uh, just a couple of stats about, um, but I, I put it up in the group chat earlier. Um, yesterday was Angie's 50th league game in charge of Celtic. 
Um, so from 150 points that he could have taken, he's taken 126 of them. He, um, in that process time, the team scored 134 goals, uh, only conceded 31. And in his entire time here, he's only lost four league games, three of which came in the, the opening the opening block uh, of his tenure this time last year. Um, the big man just goes for strength to strength in the Celtic dugout, Stephen. He's, that, that stat, by the way, is, is mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. The fact that the three and obviously the first couple of well, three games when we lost and they have to obviously do the stat and stuff in, in a total, but see them numbers, it's it's incredible. And the way the man's come in, he's took the team from literal shit to, from, to what it is now. Yeah, in between, we've talked about European football, but that's not focusing on at the moment. Domestically, we've been sublime. We've dominated. We've, we've, we've killed teams. But to be honest, with with her with her goal scoring and best defensive stats as well, that I love Postecoglou, and I, I know he, he's just he's an incredible man. And watching that that documentary, the, the we never stop one that that I bought on DVD just in case. Um, I, I, he was uh, he, the way he speaks to the players. I love there was a wee clip when Juranovic popped up in the the Day dressing room That's saying right. we get the day off day, day off tomorrow. He does death stares him like yeah. the players. The players respect him. The coaches respect him. They know he's the boss. They call him the boss, and he's our boss. And long may not continue, hopefully. But them stats anyway, hundred percent. Yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more. And well, I'll just give give you your, your chance just to kind of pay tribute to him after this latest milestone. Um, as Stephen says, you know that the stats speak for themselves, and the you know the silverware that we've earned speaks for itself already as well. He's done such an amazing job in such a short period of time. And I think Ross hit the nail on the head on Friday night when the, the guys, when you were chatting about it and the fact that he, he, he can't really remember a time with, with a Celtic team that has this such a an identity about itself. I mean, we've all we've had yep. great managers and great teams over the years. Um, and I'm sure, you know, that some of the, the, the older ones in the chat will remember the, the real you know, undisputed glory days of, of, of Jock Steen. But it, there just seems to be something... Everything seems to be working in unison at the minute um, with, with Celtic, even off the park as well. And you've got to give always give credit where it's due. Um, there just seems to be, everyone seems to be singing for the same hymn sheet. Um, and it seems to be Ange that's uh, leading the choir. Yeah, and it just it shows you how important a manager the manager is in, the, in a football club. To go for where we were, um, pretty low. We were in, the club was a mess from top to bottom. The relationship between the fans and the board and the club was at one of its lowest in recent in recent times. And um, we, well, I was not not everybody, but we were all most of us were on this podcast, um, screaming, praying that Eddie Howe would make his way and get in through the door. Um, it turns out that was. Us not getting him was the best thing ever to happen to us uh, in recent memory. Anyway, you, you talk about his identity and Ross that as well. It was absolutely, absolutely bang on. He's especially in modern football. I think clubs that's what they look for in a manager um, is to have an identity, and he never, ever, ever wavers for that. Doesn't matter what goes on. And those statistics, statistics that you're talking about are absolutely incredible. Which I love hearing them because when you sit back and look at it, this is why I don't it really really winds me up and being on this podcast has shown it more than ever when people absolutely 
shit the nest when we have a result like like against St. Mern, and it's like I like just take a step back and have a look at what's happened before and where we've came from, and it's un unbelievable transformation. Um, but yeah, like I said, I I, I just I love the fact that he, he never ever wavers for that. He demands respect, but it's a really really it's an unbelievable quality to demand respect from everybody and have that kind of. What a comment, Monty. Appreciate that, appreciate buddy. That, buddy. Absolutely. Uh, it's an unbelievable quality to have, like Ross, uh, like uh, Stephen said there, that the death stare and, and all the rest of it. So there's quite a, a kind of Alex Ferguson, not intimidation, but you know what I mean? That kind of, I'm the gaffer. Uh, it's, it's amazing to have demand respect, but also be humble with it. For I, I don't understand how he has this quality where he absolutely takes the piss out of the media pulls their panties down, smacks their wee bums every single press conference he does. But he doesn't come away from it looking like a dick. He's really humble and clever with it. I just think he's an amazing human being. Never mind mm-hmm. never mind all the management stuff and, and what he's done. As a human being, he's just, he's just incredible. And I just think we're so fortunate to have him here. And I think, I'm hoping it's going to be a long tenure. I keep saying we need to do the Alan Pardew at Newcastle contract and just give him like nine year contract just say just stay forever um, I think he'll have a long tenure and I really really think at the end of it he's going to be up there with um, the greatest ever he's, he's, we always talk about as a character he's quickly becoming our favourite manager and we've had some characters with um, Strachan's O'Neill's and Rogers and all the rest of it but um, the way he's got the team playing um, the way he's brought back brought back the thunder Um Every game's a sellout. Everybody wants to go and see Glasgow Celtic play the Celtic way again. Just everything about him oozes uh, quality and class. And I'm just, I'm just like, I'm so happy we've got him at the helm. I think he's just mm-hmm. the greatest, and I think he will be one of the greatest when he leaves. I, I wholeheartedly um, agree with that, Molly. Um, very well said. And I just want to say that's a um, great point. That's a great yeah. point. Uh, absolutely, we, we we backed the, the guy yeah. that said it that day. But when there was um a lot of, there was a lot of people who were, were almost trying to mock it. I thought it was a brilliant point, and it was said in a very a very calm way. And I think he t- he's taking it on board, and uh, he sees why that point was made. Um, but I just wanted um just thanks very much to Monty for his uh, kind words there. And uh, we as I say, Monty, we we love putting the show on. And um, it's only a show's only as good as the folk that watch it and, and, and listen in and get involved with it. And we love all the all the interaction that all you guys have with each other as well in the, in the comments section. Most of the time, it's uh, it's all fair play. Um, but uh, what can you do? But like, listen, if um, as we were speaking about earlier with Jed on on Friday night, there who was absolutely fantastic, a brilliant guest, and um, on our viewer takeover series, and obviously it was started by by Kaiser um, back in the day. Um, when we when we first started it, and we've got Alistair um, lined up, I believe next uh, to come on our yep. takeover. We'd yep. love as many of you guys um, to come on as possible. If, if you guys want to, if you want to come on, and um, but just you know, shoot the breeze about Celtic. It's all about you guys. We want, we'd love to have you on. Um, just either reach out in the comments or get in touch with one of us um, on the socials, and then um, yep. we can we'll, we'll, look, we'll get the dates arranged about what when it comes in. And um, we can get you on because that's that's what it's all about. It's all about good guys just talking about the club that we love. And um, absolutely, Kaiser, we'll, you're, you're, the, you're, the name is definitely in the book, my friend. We'll uh, we'll get you back on. 
Uh, I start my man, it was uh, you were absolutely brilliant. Uh, but kicking off the whole viewer takeover uh, scene, it was great. <laughs> Don't let Brown Warrior on. Oh, we'll maybe keep you separate, you know. But uh, no, absolutely. And um, going back to what we were saying about Ange uh, Willie, in the in the sense that um, you know it's his catchphrase, we never stop. It seems that we aren't stopping because. As um, if reports are to be believed today, and there's so much traction with us that you can't help but thinking that it must be it must be something that's m- more than just rumours. Um, chats of um, a defender from Japan coming in right at the start of the January transfer window. I'm going to have a go at this. This might be uh, you know might not be the best pronunciation, but I believe it's Yuki Kobayashi, uh, well, left-sided well uh, centre half. It looks like he's potentially going to be our first arrival come January. There's been rumours to say that we might be looking at potentially another two or three coming in on the back of him as well. As much as great as you know, the stats have shown how great his uh, his business in the transfer market's been so far. But it looks like he's already thinking about the next phase of the Ange project. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he's even thinking about the next again in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great to hear that we're we're making moves and and as the previous two windows, it looks like that he's. Um, <laughs> It looks like you can get it on the phone, Big Red, mate. You don't even need the laptop. You can do it on the phone. Um, what was I saying there? Can't I? Aye. Uh, it, it, looks like, it, looks like, it looks like the previous two windows, uh, this is going to be much the same. We get the, get the uh, deals done early doors, get them in, and uh, and I get the ball rolling and let's, let's go again. It's great to see. I think we've got a... I really, really think we've got a good, good squad. I think centre-half is somewhere that we, we probably should look to improve. Um, I feel for Welsh. I'm a bit. I'm a Welsh fan. I know others aren't. But <laughs> you're a Scottish fan. I don't think he's done too much wrong. But I think if if we're bringing more centre halves, then that might spell the end for for him. But at the moment, if we if the likes of Jens or CCV get injured, we we, we look like we could be struggling a bit. Um, so yeah, I think that's somewhere to look at. I think we're really, really stacked in certain positions, and I, I, if we're going to bring people in, it means that people are going to go. And um, fair play to Ange, it's a job. Uh, it's a job I wouldn't like to have because if I go Celtic and football manager FIFA, then you can who to play or who to drop or who to whatever. So I've, I've got an affiliation. I'll help you. Don't play me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm starting to like, like we say, we, we love the gaffer and we love the squad. I love this team at the moment. So um, it'll be interesting to see if there is outgoings, but. Yeah, Andrew's on it again and, and getting the getting the deals done early doors, it looks. I think that was what we what played such a pivotal um role last season, Stephen, was the fact that in years gone by, we've kind of been rushing about in the last day of the January transfer window, trying to do last minute deals here, there, and, but it almost seemed almost for Sky Sports entertainment, if nothing else. Certainly didn't do our, our blood pressure any good. But one of the first things, it seemed to be that these deals um, last season for, you know, Edeguchi, Maeda um, and Hatati, they were all done. It was all wrapped up even before almost the window even opened. It was all, everything was in place. It was just once um, the clock at midnight that the paperwork trail could begin. And I think the club, you could see, reaped the benefits of that because they've been training with the team for a good two, three weeks by the time that the, the action restarted. Um, do you think this is going to be a, a good bit of, business getting our deals done early again and also if we're signing another centre half what could this mean for the likes of Welsh and maybe even Starfelt and Jens well just first of all Monty is asking 
Hi, it's John. Well, Monty, John's doing well. He's very much still involved with the podcast. He's watching every show. He's he's keeping in touch with us as well. He's just taking a bit of time for himself to recalibrate and stuff like that. But hopefully he will be back again soon. Thanks for asking, Monty, big man. But he's fine. Don't worry about that. Um, yeah, I mean, what's one thing that Postacoglu is not doing that every other manager done in Selby? We're not standing still. We're not waiting. We're not waiting to the last day of the transfer window for a a hammy down from the English League, a loan market type signing. Yeah, they can be useful, but he's planning. And this is where you have to <clears throat> congratulate likes of Mark Lowell, Michael Nicholson, providing him with this kind of platform to do that. Yeah, that's still unpopular with some people, but until they feel, until they don't give him the tools, then we have to be on board with it because it's working. And Kobe Assey is an interesting one. Obviously, it broke late last night, I believe, or maybe the day before, but it was, it was somewhere along the lines. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> He looks a decent player. He's six foot one. I was reading some of the stats, obviously, from Dan Orlovitz. He was put out today. Very good at p- carrying the ball from defence, which puts the cold legs. Really good at passing the ball through the lanes. It's quick on the turn. I think he won 80% of his defensive duels in the J League, which is, is, a, is a good stat. Albeit, apparently, he's quite slight. But again, if you have a good football brain, you get to the gym. You know, it's going to be Nakamura, Kyogo, Rio Tate. They've all adapted to the SPL. So hopefully, this guy can as well. Um, well, I, Welsh, I can maybe see him maybe going to the Belgian market. We seem to be very liking the lad at the moment. Maybe a, like a, a club like Ostende again for Jack Hendry. Mm-hmm. Or maybe a wee loan move to the SPFL to see out the season, like an Aberdeen or a Hibs or whatever. Someone mentioned in the comments there, Jamie Young, Liam Scales. It kind of spells the end for Liam Scales, if I'm honest. There was great hope from an Irish perspective that he would go on there and do great things. He was one of the best products coming to the Irish League in a long time, and that's with a whole list of players like Roy Keane and people like that back in their heyday. He was right up there, apparently, like the, the golden boy of the generation. Doesn't look quite up to scratch. I know he's been sent off a few times for Aberdeen. Maybe a pathway again to send him out for another loan, like, like we did with um, Jack Hendry, to try and make a bit of money on him. But yeah, for them too, it kind of, for me, spells the end. If not on a short-term basis, but on a long-term. And if Kobayashi's coming in, I, I, I like this. I was a wee bit hesitant at the start, but I like this continental style of player he's getting in. I, I know it's taking a lot away from the, the core of the obviously Scottish core and things like that, but these guys are phenomenal and, and sprinkled with talent, likes of Forrest helping them through, Tom McGregor helping them, Joe Hart, Thickers. It's a breath of fresh air bringing these guys in because I think we all did it. We, we all had a, a thing of it. We all underestimated the league post the came from. And by all accounts, the J League, technically anyway, is far superior mapping and the SPFL with the players they're producing. It's incredible. And with the likes of Atate, well, you said it before, can they get a sniff at the midfield in, in Japan for their national team? So that points to the kind of the players they're producing. The that points to the players they're producing on a national basis, by the way, moving on to Europe and getting big, get big money for them as well, like, like Kagawa and all them types of players. Yeah, Kobayashi left for the centre half. I think we're crying out for one. Jens, Kobayashi, Starfelt and Vickers. That sounds pretty good to me. So, so you say it's all about competition for places and uh, yeah. yeah, it definitely is. But, 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 as I say, I obviously haven't seen him play or anything, but what I've um, what you've read up on him since it definitely seems to be uh, like it's something that's down the, the the deal is down the tracks already. So it's something to look forward to in the new year. And um, we'll just kind of round off tonight, boys. But uh, obviously, there's a 
a big a big name game on the horizon, shall we say, Willie? And um, of course, unfortunately, due to results pre- preceding that, it's essentially a dead rubber um, on Wednesday night against the Galacticos of Real Madrid. Um, I think probably next week, once all the dust is fully settled, we'll do a, a proper review on of our, our European exploits this season. Um, it's just been it's like we've spoke about so often. It's just been fine margins. Um, in the Champions League and unfortunately this year we've just kind of been on the wrong side of them. There you go, great start there for, for Patrick. And um, But regardless of that, it's still Real Madrid. It's still the European champions and the Bernabeu itself, of course, you know, it's obviously under a lot of reconstruction at the moment, but it's still one of the absolute cathedrals uh, of football. And um, if anyone in the squad will be wanting to be involved in it and uh, trying to come away with a good result for Celtic. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, it might be a um it might be a dead rubber with regards to qualification, but I, I can I I think we can all agree that Ange definitely will not be seeing it as a dead rubber. He'll be he'll be gone. Uh, as he has in every Champions League game, hell for leather to win it. Uh, he'll, 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 I think he'll put a stronger squad uh, available. Um this is it. This is what the Champions League is about. Going to these places, uh, the greatest team uh, if not the greatest club team ever to grace God's green earth, uh, definitely one of them. Uh, it's it's going to be a magic night. Again, I'm so super excited. It doesn't matter if we can qualify or not. It's still Real Madrid at the Bernabeu. Still one of the biggest games in football. And it's still got me excited, apart from the fact that it's fucking early kickoff again. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I, I can't wait. I can't wait to see it. I, really, I hope they put out a strong team as well. Um because you want to see us again, and I thought we like we obviously we've we've touched on it. We did pods and all the other the the first the, the home game, and I thought we absolutely battered them for the first half hour. Um, just need to put the ball in the back of the net. That'd be nice, something to cheer. Because um, I think we've worked really hard, and I think um, we could have been very successful. But like you say, it's just fine margins. I just I I love this team, and I think um, they're definitely going places. And I'm I'm already looking forward to next year's European football because I think we can be a real force. I just it's just a shame we've not been clinical enough. But um, yeah, I mean this is a fixture we were all looking forward to. Um, hopefully we're wearing that black kit under the lights uh, against the white Galacticos and. Um, yeah, I'm getting butterflies just even talking about it and thinking about it. Can't wait. I, I, I'm like yourself, Wally. I'm looking forward to it. And Stephen, as, as, as Wally says, of course, um, there's, there are, they're not the, the only big club in the world, but, you know, Real Madrid, 14 Champions Leagues. I mean, that almost is up there with playing Frankfurt in a Europa League final. It's incredible <laughs> just how, how big a club they are. Um, but, you know, it's... Um, as we say, we're obviously disappointed with um, with how the groups, you know, panned out in terms of points and, and results and whatnot. But even, of course, in terms of just even basic finance, getting a, a win, getting a win, or even picking up a point um, in the in the Bernabeu does boost the coffers as well, which yeah. could just potentially end up having an extra player or whatever uh, in the January transfer window. So we're still going to be all out and trying to do. Um, as best we can in the game, even although it won't, it will prove you know ineffectual in terms of uh, any European progress. I mean, what what people are feeling to realise as well, this is a, a kind of a must win for Real Madrid, the top of the group. I think they need to win or get a result anyway from this game. So it's going to be competitive from both teams. I don't think the Celtic going to go in kind of thinking it's a dead rubber, have that kind of attitude. That's not going to happen. We're still wanting to make the imprint in European football. 
I'm Real Madrid are the pinnacle of European football at this moment in time. Their, their history speaks for themselves and their players and, and past and times go past. Look at Modric's Karim Benzema still playing, Finicius on the left, Rodrigo coming off the bench and some incredible players, Tony Cruz, people like that. But I'm I'm not really I'm not fearing it. I'm not mm-hmm. really thinking we're gonna get absolutely smashed up or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's it's one of these ones, Anthony. I'm I'm looking in here with false hope. Because if, if Real Madrid, if they need to get a result, they're not they're not going to back down an inch like, and they wouldn't want to be shown up in their home patch. So I would love this to get a couple of goals and kind of make an imprint there and show what we're made of and play that style of football. And as well, he said, make improvements going into next year because that's when we'll be judged again to see if we're improving next year, see if we're actually making strides in European fo- football and what we've learned from the top level. Again, the coefficient. Maybe damage from the both teams and and, and the other uh, parts as well in this run. So we never know. Might not have two European spots to go for. Maybe just one, mm-hmm. and then the qualifiers again. So that's the worry. We need to keep that going. The coefficient needs to keep improving. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's one of them ones you can not sit back and relax and watch it, but just sit mm-hmm. back and enjoy. So they got the burner by under lights. What whether it's under construction, who cares? It's it's one of these iconic moments that I've never seen, and I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to seeing. Yeah, likewise, uh, likewise. And um, I'll come to straight back to you, Steve. What do you think the score will be? And if you were the man in the dugout, who would you send out to take on the Galacticos on their home pitch? Right, so starting 11, I will go Joe Hart, Juranovic, Carter Vickers, Jens, Taylor, O'Reilly, Hatate, Haksabanovic in the 10, Yakimakis up top, Meda on the left and James Forrest on the right. The score prediction for me is I'll be honest. I hate being honest. I hate being honest. The score prediction for me is 3 1 Real Madrid. Okay. Fair enough, oh man. If not, um, a realistic um, outlook. Um, what about yourself, Wally? Don't hit me, guys. And line up. Um, I think my I think my team would probably pretty much be the same as Stevens, except I wonder if Jota will be fit enough to start on that left hand side. I wouldn't risk him, Willie. I wouldn't risk him. Just in case. Yeah. Yeah. I, I reckon my team would probably be the exact same as Stevens to be fair, which I'm surprised at. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, going, I'm going with I'm going with Jamie Young. No, two each. Two each. Two to a draw. Um, Stephen, my, my team was actually the same as yours as well, just with the exception of I think he would start Abada over Forrest, just with the fact that James has started at the weekend, I think Abada might come back in there, but we'll wait and see if it was up to me, I actually would have James Forrest in uh, beforehand, but that's just uh, personal opinion um, but yeah, so I think we're pretty much all going roughly for a pretty similar um, outlook um, in terms of the, the lineup. Um, but I'm going to throw caution to the wind and be entirely and ridiculously optimistic. I think we're going to invoke the spirit of 67 and have a similar scoreline. I'm going to go for a Hatati masterclass in the middle of the pitch. And I think Celtic will win the game 1-0. Let's go for it. Why not? It's Halloween. Let's uh, let's let's be happy. See, the thing um, is as well, we, we, we never know with these games. Ange's always thrown up surprises. So he obviously he yeah. put in both Kyogo and we were... In the podcast before Shakhtar, we were like the whole, pretty much the, the whole discussion, half the podcast was whether Gigi or, or Kyogo should start up front and he played both of them 
yeah. uh, and it's not it's not the first time he surprised us all. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I'm I'm coming round more to the fact about um, maybe playing Kyle Goat on the left and, and Gigi up front. I wasn't for it to start off with, but I'm mm-hmm. coming round to the fact I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too disappointed if he did that. Um, although he played more than than the ten, didn't he? Um, against mm-hmm. Shakhtar, and and I thought he played really well there. So I like I wouldn't be opposed to that. But I think that it's um, there's nothing to lose. And I yeah, mean, these guys sure. are playing on the biggest stage at the grandest theatre. Go out and enjoy yourself, boys. Do what you do best. Mm-hmm. Put on a performance. And like, listen, just get a few goals for us, man. Give us something to cheer. If it's three each or four, <laughs> three, I'm not bothered. Just give us some goals and give us something to cheer. Put them on the back of the net. Absolutely. And uh, good luck to Ange and the boys on Wednesday night. And hopefully uh, come Friday night, we're uh, talking about a positive performance and even hope, even better, hopefully, a positive result as well. Um, but that kind of wraps things up for tonight, boys. Um, have you enjoyed yourself tonight? Brilliant, ah, Tony, mate. good, man. Superb. Uh, likewise, and Jude. Uh, yeah, performance been, uh, and Jude. Uh, oh, absolutely, yeah. He's uh, he's getting a fair knack for the camera, as, uh, as my boy. Uh, if the football career doesn't work out, I know, might get him on the stage, you never know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm the same. It's obviously been great being back on. I've been off. Off right. with the dreaded COVID the last couple of weeks, I've uh, been feeling absolutely awful, so it's been good to be back and uh, doing what we do best, talking about Celtic. And uh, thanks again to everybody for watching and getting involved in the comments as well. As I say, we appreciate everyone, and uh, Stephen tr- tr- tries to get as many up um, as he possibly can. And uh, as I say, if anyone wants to come on, get in touch with us. We'd love to have you on for a viewer takeover episode. And uh, don't forget to get your Super 6 um, predictions in uh, for the league Keep um, oh, of course as well with uh, Beer 52 if you go on you get a, a, as long as you cover the postage you get the full box of beer free on us just type in the sales code uh, there at the end there as well and of course as I say I, I forgot to say it at the start of the show uh, happy birthday to, uh, to our Franco and I uh, hope you've had a really good one mate and um, that's it we shall see you on Friday on, we'll be talking about our match at the Bernabeu. So, hail, hail, guys, and I'll let you, Stephen, give us our famous outro. <laughs> and until Friday, stay well and keep safe. I can't believe I'll use fuck that up, by the way. Until Friday, <laughs> stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail. <laughs> because you stay well, stay safe, keep well, keep safe.